Welcome to Visma Ski Classics podcast, Livinio to Levy. Visma Ski Classics is the long distance ski championships with 12 pro tour events and 35 pro teams, bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Hello, folks out there. This is our second race recap. Uh, the La Diagonela one was the first one, of course. Then uh, Gustav Koskren and I went through that interesting race and the, the cold weather and all that. Conditions were very different today uh, when Toplach Cortina took place, the second installment uh, in the Pro Tour in Season 11. Much of a race, different course uh, from uh, the original one this time only 38 kilometers not the 42 kilometers one we will talk about the course a little bit later on my guest today is last year's winner andreas nigor from team erect Dom, and he is a perfect guest to analyze the race i am your host temu virtanen and this is it let's rock and roll So Andreas, you're back home uh, in uh, in Tromsø, watching the race. It must have been pretty hard for you to just to see it. I mean, good day for your t- uh, team, of course. You know, Oscar Kadin was second, but just to be at home, not to be there, and the race that you won last year. Yeah, man, uh, it sucks being back home, not able to ski uh, with the other guys down in what. Uh, seemed to be fantastic conditions. Uh, I think it was a good call for the for the whole ra- race to be delayed with one day. And yeah, had a fantastic day in uh, Tobla Cortina last year. And uh, it sucks being home, but it's also nice to be uh, to be back home when I when I cannot ski <laughs> ski anyway. So yeah. How are you doing? How is your recovery proceeding right now? You got some frostbites uh, from last uh, weekend's race, and you told me that it was pretty much your own fault. I mean, you had uh, your uh, gloves were too thin, and I guess you just spilled some uh, sports drink on them as well before the race. Yeah, last uh, weekend I, uh, <laughs> I I made a big mistake going with only gloves. I should have I should have known better because we all knew how cold it was and. Uh, I should have worn some mittens or some uh, thicker gloves, but that's history now. And I think uh, I think the recovery goes okay. Uh, I guess it takes a little bit more time for me to really know how the healing process goes. But no risk of losing any fingers, so uh, so I'm guess I'm lucky in that way. But uh, for sure, it was a bummer for me getting this injury and not being able to race uh, as I want. But yeah, that's history now. Can you train at all or you just have to uh, uh, rest? Yeah, I cannot train at all at this moment. Uh, the surgeons and the doctors want me to to at least wait uh, the next week to get the healing process of the wounds uh, 100%. And then I guess I can start uh, running on the treadmills and uh, and so forth uh, from one week out from now, but 
uh, now I'm just <laughs> just laying on the couch watching watching ski races and uh, eating pizza and uh, just chilling. Don't get too fat. <laughs> uh, now it's uh, in Vasilop. You don't need to be so lightweight. Uh, I need to have more power there. So now I can focus on that. And hopefully, hopefully, I don't know yet. Uh, I will be back on the starting line in Vasilop. But uh, these kind of injuries can take some time, and sometimes they can heal a little bit faster than you thought. So yeah, we just wait. Have to wait and see. So real, realistically speaking, that is your goal to be back uh, by that time when Barcelona takes place. So Jiseska Prasarka is out. Yeah, Jiseska, uh, I guess, is out of the out of the equation now. And uh, one thing is to be on the starting line, and another thing is to be on the starting line, able to win the races. So. Yeah, Barcelona is, uh, as we speak, the main focus for me. And also, it's got to be really hard for you uh, being the the current uh, leading or the reigning champion. And now you are going to miss so many races that, realistically speaking, you don't really have a, a fighting chance there anymore. Yeah, that's true. Being able to get my third consecutive win in the Hertz Yellow Bib Champion uh, competition was a was a big big goal this year, but. Uh, I guess if I have a really, really good season from March and out, I will be really happy. But now I just have to get my fingers uh, in the best possible shape for uh, for the rest of my life. I'm I'm going to need them after the skiing career also. So, yeah, I hope uh, Oscar, who seems really, really strong, uh, can uh, defend the, the the bib and be the become the first Swede to to win the champion bib in a really really long time i don't uh, know if if any swede have uh, has ever won the if i don't think any have won it before so yeah that would have been nice that is true and uh, we'll get to talk to him a little bit uh, later on as he was second uh, in today's race but uh, and we all hope that you will recover and come back we miss you uh, you always and you're a nice person and a great skier but let's go through this uh, race this uh, today's race uh, Topla Cortina it's called Topla Cortina but this time uh, the skiers didn't go all the way to uh, Cortina di Ambeso since uh, there was a high risk of avalanches so the race uh, needed to be altered quite a lot actually it was two loops very tough course uh, generally speaking before we go uh, the, uh, into the women's race and then the men's race point by point by looking at the course what's sort of your take or analysis on on this compared to the original course yeah as you said the the course was a little bit different because of the avalanche risk but in general i will say it's kind of the uh, kind of the same profile it's tough but not super tough i think today we saw a really really hard race and uh, with all the snow coming down the last days uh, it made it made it quite tough conditions so it so even though the profile is <laughs> it's not so super hard but it it become a really hard race and uh, we saw Vukuya uh, back in great shape and uh, the pace was pushed hard on from the beginning in the men's race and also in the women's race we saw that Lina got this quite big gap uh, in the downhill and then <laughs> Ellen Moline did this uh, 
crazy, crazy thing jumping in between the between the tracks, almost almost tackling Emilia Fletten, and the gap just grew. And from then on, I think Lena just went in her own pace, and the gap never got really, really big. But uh, she looked super strong today. And also the conditions, uh, it's been snowing quite heavily over there. As it, at least it seemed to me that it was uh, really slow conditions, the kind of the new snow. Uh, yeah, cold, man. It, it really tough from that perspective as well. Yeah, it makes a whole lot of difference when it's conditions like this compared to, yeah, maybe last weekend or some of the other races we have seen in the past. And, uh, yeah, we saw from early on that... Uh, there wouldn't be uh, many women or men fighting for for the victory in the end. And uh, for me, watching the race, I thought it was a really, really cool race to watch. And uh, yeah, a lot of strong athletes out there today. I uh, I saw on Strava, it seems like the course was exactly 38 kilometers. So yeah, it was not the longest race, but it was a tough one for sure. Yeah. And it's kind of a good one to have a shorter race in between these two long ones, a 60k race, La Diagonela, and then of course next Sunday's 70k Marcha Longa. Probably something that uh, the pro team athletes uh, were ready for at this stage, I think. Yeah, true. I think a lot of the guys and the women were uh, were quite fatigued after last weekend's race, not only because of the length but also because of the cold and the and the conditions so it, i don't think it would have mattered that much if the course would have been any longer today i think we would have seen the same guys fighting and the same women fighting for for the victory so yeah much longer is a long one so then we will see what happens when it gets one hour one hour and a half longer Indeed, that'll be next Sunday. But let's go through uh, the women's race first. They started at 8.15 Central European time. And this time around, it was a race uh, on their own. They had to uh, pretty much do their own tactics uh, because men started afterwards. Uh, so no sort of a tactical waiting or maneuvering there, you know, by the time the men usually uh, catch up. So I'm going to go through the results here before we get uh, into action and go uh, through the women's race point by point. So Lina Kuskren was number one, second Ida Dahl, the same team, Team Ramudden, Team Kuteng's Emilia Fletten, third, Eline Moulin, Lager 157 Ski Team, fourth, followed by Katarina Smutna, Ed System Bauer Team, fifth, and then Olga Zareva, sixth, Russian Winter Team, and then seventh, Sophie Elebru, Team Parket Pander Hushern, and then Anastasia Rugalina, eighth, Russian Winter Team, uh, two Russian ladies there in the top 10, and uh, Astrid Oireslind, ninth, Team Kuteng, and then Roxanne Lacroix, Team Decathlon Experience, 10th. And then Jenny Larsen was 11th last weekend's winner. Uh, before we get to this, Emilia Fletten's been performing really well. She was uh, in your team last season. Uh, I, I guess you got to know her pretty well, Andreas. Yeah. Got the honor to be on the same team as Amelia last year, and uh, unfortunately, she uh, decided to join Austria and Kuteng uh, in Trondheim this season. But uh, Amelia showed with some at some occasions last year that she is super strong, and uh, this season she has been really, really, uh, yeah, I have to say, a little bit 
uh, stronger than I even would have thought. But we saw in the pre-races in Beitostol and Shushan that uh, she has been in a good shape. But it's not always the same going traditional skiing and long-distance skiing. But yeah, two podiums for her, her in a row and <laughs> two times uh in front of her uh, so yeah she's the only one keeping up with uh with the Ramudin girls indeed and and she's the number one skier in her team as Astrid Lind hasn't really performed as well as expected you know so Emilia Fletten is now the number one team but going back to the race so it started from the same air sort of airfield uh, as before the first part the first nine kilometers all the way to the stadium pretty easy course correct nothing dramatic happened there in the women's oh, race. yeah you're right it's quite it's quite flat but i think we saw that uh, that the pace was uh, quite high and uh, with only two tracks and maybe the scooter ruining one of the tracks the field got the really uh, yeah it got some uh, distance between the athletes and yeah, I think we saw at the first sprint Lena winning it quite comfortably that uh, she would be strong also this day. And then Jenny Larsson was second there and Asteroides leaned fourth. And then your teammate, Anniken Jede Alnes, fourth. Was that the tactic that you guys had in mind that she, she goes for or at least tries to go for sprint points? Yeah, Anniken is a sprinter, but I I think she just wanted to be up there because she know that usually after the sprints, some of the favorites can really push the pace. So she, if she w- had won it, I think she would have won the sprint. But uh, as it turned out, uh, Anniken didn't have a great day uh, today. I uh, I think both her and uh, yeah, maybe me had. Uh, expected her to be a little bit further up in the in the list but uh, this was her first race this season in the long distance so i think she will come back stronger in the march longer so then after the nordic arena and after the sprint point the first and only sprint point uh, in today's competition the course changed quite drastically uh, since the skiers um, had to negotiate through the uh, you know the walk up Walk up hills, the walk up courses. Just tell us about a little bit of that. You, you, you've done those climbs in the past. Yeah, I have done. So they they uh, did almost the whole World Cup course. They skipped the uh, part uh, further, the most up, uh, down, uh, up. So they missed a long uphill, but they got the first one. If you watch the Tour de Ski, you you could see the first TV point. It's a really, really steep uphill there. And I think down there, the the pace was quite high. And you saw Lina come down the downhill with a little gap and just went forward. And it got a bit chaotic in the in the, in the peloton behind her. Uh, Ellen Moulin trying to yeah, move through... Uh, between the tracks and almost uh, crashing with Amelia and uh, yeah it it seems like the race almost were uh, over there for uh, for the win at least but uh, really really interesting interesting fight for the second place there and I don't know about you but Ellen Moulin she she was really close today getting her for first podium so I think we will see that 
uh, she has been improving this this summer and will be one to watch uh, in the next weeks. Uh, indeed, I, that's something that I pointed out in a live broadcast as well. Of course, he kind of ran out of energy on, on the second lap. And going kind of back to that that crash, because what was really interesting in the race was that, okay, Lena uh, sped up and she was able to get the gap and break away. But it then pretty much remained the same, you know, the distance, you know, the gap yeah, yeah, between yeah, 30, 40 seconds. So kind of begs a question that what if that crash hadn't happened, you know. Do you think yeah, that yeah. Emilia Fletten would have a chance to, to fight for the, the victory? Yeah, I, I, I kind of had that feeling because, as you pointed out, uh, Emilia, she was, yeah, she didn't get much help from uh, Ida and uh, Elin during the race, so she almost skied the whole way herself. And, uh, yeah, the gap never grew much after that so uh i think if uh, amelia had been on the skis of lena in that situation and not <laughs> almost f- falling over there uh, maybe she could have followed uh, lena all the way to the end but uh, the sprint is not uh, amelia's uh, strongest side as a skier so i think uh, that the results wouldn't been that different anyway and it was kind of tough for her because she was there like by herself for for quite a long time uh, before Ida and Elin were able to ca- catch up with her. And then, of course, Lena uh, in the front. So that must have been mentally quite a challenging for her after the crash. Yeah, yeah no for, sh- for sure. I think she was, uh, I, I, thought, I think you could see in the, in the TV pictures after the race, Ida uh, was trying to congratulate. Uh, Amelia, but uh, Amelia, I think she was a little bit disappointed with uh, with the third place. None yet again being uh, being uh, yeah beaten by two Ramudan girls. And by the time they reached uh, the first and uh, only point, uh, the the war cemetery, the only uh, climb competition point at eighteen point one kilometers, then Lena was in the lead. And then Emilia uh, were a bit behind, 35 seconds at that time, almost 36. And then uh, Ida Dahl and Elin Moulin were still about 12 seconds behind hers. She was skiing by herself at that at that stage. And uh, then, of course, when they or the skiers when they turned around, of course, the, the other side. That's a gradual downhill. But just by judging what I saw on the screen today, and I've done the course myself many times, just keyed on it. Uh, so it's a gradual downhill, but in these conditions, it's it's a hard it's a hard section. Yeah, it is. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. You don't get uh, these uh, long downhills where you really, really can rest up. You just have to be on your toes all the way and keep uh, keep pushing and keep double pulling and uh, no rest today yet, especially for those skiing by themselves and uh, the today it was an honest race and uh, i think uh, the strongest ones won in both the men and the women's race and uh, i think we i think many of the athletes had okay skis today i don't think the conditions uh, 
yeah, invited to that much difference uh, on the on the skis. So it was an honest race and a nice nice to watch. So you would uh, definitely say that uh, last weekend there was a bigger difference between the, you know, the skis. So it's more yeah, equal. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah, if you. So our skis last weekend was a really, really big plus compared to maybe everyone except of uh, Ramudin. And uh, yeah, uh, when it's that tight and uh, so many athletes being strong, it's really important to have an edge on the skis. But today you saw a lot of teams being up there. And I think maybe only Tord uh, Jardalen, uh he must have had not the best skis for because he tried really hard to keep up but didn't have any chance and i think his shape is quite good so i think we have to watch out for him in much longer even though we got destroyed this this morning of course uh, those days you know happen to everyone you can always be uh, at your best but going back to that that issue the skis uh, something i really want to ask you I mean how come that you guys usually have really great skis the kind of the magic a touch of among the darling what does he do <laughs> good good question uh i don't know but we have seen sometimes when it's really really cold and dry snow that uh, he does something the other teams don't do so uh, when it's really really cold uh Ragda has has an advantage but uh yeah uh Minor is really really good at what he does so uh we're really grateful having him on our team uh for those uh, uh, skiers out there listening to this podcast i know that you're not really a waxer per se but uh speaking of the cold conditions kind of going back to that what kind of a structure do you usually need to have on your skis uh, and then compared to last weekend to this one new snow versus the really cold snow Yeah, in the last weekend's condition, you have to have a really, really fine stone grinding, um, making the friction as minimal as possible. But today, I think it was, I got some reports about the weather being like five, six minus degrees and uh, a lot of fresh, fresh new snow. And uh, it makes you have, like, we would say maybe more a blue a blue grind uh, but last weekend it was a really green grind and you yeah don't have really you have a little bit more structure under your skis to say it in a easy way but uh, that's only one thing and then you have to have the right products and uh, and the ray and the yeah and the best skis for that kind of conditions so yeah it's a it's a science that And the right, the right stiffness too, that you select yeah, the, sure. the good pair. Yeah, for sure. So then, going back to the the women's race, and after the first lap, uh, they needed to, uh, you know, go through all those climbs again. And Lena was uh, in the lead, and it looked like that, as I said earlier, that it kind of just uh, remained the same, the gap between her. But then Eline Moulin, right after the stadium, uh, then that became a little bit too much for her and she ran out of juice at that point yeah she did uh 
she really went for it today and uh, it was uh, i think it was the right decisions uh, decision she tried to stay with with the girls fighting for the podium as long as she could and as you pointed out she just went out of gas and uh, the gap down to the smutna slin group was it was at that time really really big so i guess it was nothing to lose and she just yeah she could go her own speed making quite comfortable the fourth place which i also think is career best for her so uh, absolutely a good day and it was, as you said, a pretty safe place for her to be because she was almost a minute ahead of the, uh, you know, the, the chasing group. At least by the time they've uh, reached uh, the finish, Olga Chareva was uh, there, uh, and with the other teams as well, uh, the team members. Um, then Emilia Fleten and Ida Dahl, they continued kind of the cat and mouse game. Of course, then uh, Lina and the front. Anything? You could say by that when by what when you watch the uh, what's the um, the race at that point no it was uh, <laughs> it's hard for Emilia being in that position because either don't have to do any work if she don't want to and uh, Emilia just she Emilia knows that her sprint isn't her strongest weapon and it's not much to do for her in that situation, but except from just pushing on and trying to do something. But uh, it's really, really difficult when uh, Ida has the advantage of just be back on her skis and saving up for the sprint. And then, uh, yeah, we saw in the end that uh, Emilia didn't have a chance. But Ida was super strong uh, getting up back to Emilia and Elin the first time. So she has uh, taken a huge step forward. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting to see. Uh, today uh, we only had uh, one uh, Norwegian woman in the top eight, I think. And uh, no Norwegians on the podium in the men's side, so uh, that must be <laughs> that doesn't happen so often. So tables have been turned. <laughs> yeah, indeed, man. So I think uh, it could be pointed out that uh, Anastasia Vlasova. Uh, I had her on our, on my fantasy team today, but uh, she didn't quite live up to the expectations I had for her being uh, podium here uh, last year. So I think she was. I don't know. I think she's she was out of the top fifteen also, so not the best day for her. So I don't know if she, uh, yeah, well, something went wrong with her or that the shape just isn't there this year. But two uh, Russian skiers uh, did really well. Olga Chareva, she was uh, sixth, and Anastasia Rigalina eighth. And we saw R- Rigalina like like in a JoJo. I mean, she was she was, she was behind the, the chase, the last person in the chase chase group uh struggling a bit but uh, still she was able to uh, pretty much keep up with her and she was only uh, uh, then finally five seconds behind uh, Sophie Elebru who was seventh yeah yeah she was the she almost she was she caught up with the Smutna group and uh, yeah in the end she even uh, beat Astrid Schlind who's Who's struggling a little bit this season? Uh, the fall hasn't been great for her, and uh, hopefully she will be back stronger in the upcoming races. But yeah, Rigolina, she was fighting back and forth, uh, trying to trying to 
go with uh, with a quite big group there. And as you mentioned, Sofia Elebro, she she is strong, she is consistent, and another top ten finish for her. So yeah, that's nice to see. A lot of a lot of teams up there in the top ten. I think uh, Lacroix was top ten also. So we had five six different teams there. So yeah, good, maybe seven. Yeah. Uh, Jenny Larson last uh, weekend's uh, winner was 11th. Is this a bit surprising to you that she was that far behind, or do you think that she kind of returned to the kind of the business as usual for her? Because that, these are kind of the positions that she uh, uh, had last year. Yeah, that's a good question. I would say it's a it's a little bit surprising not getting top ten, being so dominant last weekend and uh, last weekend yeah Robin had uh, really good skis but uh, you need more than just good skis being able to go solo for that long and today she was six and a half minutes behind and uh, yeah not great day for her but at least she picked up some points in the first sprint but uh, it must be a big big uh, I don't think uh, we have seen the yellow bib in the women's competition missing top 10 uh, in a competition. So uh, that's a first. Uh, or could it also be the, the kind of the backlash of, of uh, the victory, kind of that when your dream finally comes true, uh, you fulfill that uh, long goal of yours. And then suddenly there's a kind of bit of a backlash and you won't be able to perform as well. It's kind of happened to Chrisanda Jespersen as well last season <laughs> yeah yeah maybe but i think we have to acknowledge that it's a little bit different in the top 10 in the women and the top 10 in the men's side still and even though jenny maybe overperformed last week and i think she will be disappointed with being six and a half minutes behind uh, lena today but as you say, everybody can have a bad day, and if you have a bad day, and maybe the skis isn't top, 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 it could get uh, quite ugly. So I think, I think Jenny will bounce back, and yeah, it's not, she's not uh, a contender for the yellow bib in the end, and I don't think she uh, see her fighting for the yellow bib anyway. So. Uh, I think she will try to keep evolving and getting stronger and be fighting for top six uh, positions in the future also. So, yeah, nice to see. Speaking of the yellow bib, uh, there was one notable absentee, Preta Johansson Nogren. Like you, like you, she is suffering, you know, from the kind of the consequences, you know, of the last weekend's uh, tough race. What do you think in terms of her uh, and now knowing what you're going through? Uh does he have a chance? Yeah, <laughs> it's the first time since uh, maybe maybe ever that she's yeah, out. That, that, she have, that she's ever been out. So <laughs> that uh, was a difference. So I think everybody missed Brit on the start, and uh, I've been talking to her a little bit the last days, but. I think Marcel Longo also is out of the picture for her, and uh, there the winner get three hundred points. And uh, if Lina gets a good result there, also the even for Britta the the yellow bib is is long gone because you need to do the races, and it's only nine events this season. So yeah, I feel really sorry for Britta. She. Uh, 
she must have been quite devastated when she realized that uh, the yellow bib most likely is gone and not being able to fight for the victory in Marcelongo. But uh, I heard she's back on the ski erg or the argolina and doing some upper body work. So I think uh, when she returns, maybe the Yusarska, maybe the Valsan, we will see if she will be up there again winning races. Yeah, that's what we all hope. And indeed, she will definitely be a force to be reckoned with uh, once she kind of bounces back and gets back to business. Let's uh, get hold of today's uh, winner, Alina Koskren, and uh, talk to her and find out about uh, today's race from her perspective. Now you can be part of Visma Ski Classics. Sign up for my pages if you haven't done it yet. You can be ranked among other skiers, including our pro team athletes, and compare your ranking with your friends. You can also get different pins that measure your achievements. So go to vismaskiclassics.com, sign in by clicking my pages on the top, and get ready for action in Season 11. Hello, Lena. Are you on the line? And Hi. Good. And congratulations. What a race. Yeah, thank you. It was uh, it was fantastic. I'm very satisfied. <laughs> of course, you should be. But uh, let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, I have Andres Nigor here as, as well. He will ask you some questions too. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to race today, but he's at home uh, in Tromsø, but he's been able to watch the race. Um, th- from the beginning i mean there was uh, you were pretty much kind of dominated the race uh from the get-go yeah i we had a plan to be off- offensive today also the girls and the team and uh, uh, every girls uh, me and Ida and jenny want to go for a sprint uh, so yeah that was the tactic and um yeah i knew it was uh, going to be hard also when we go up to the world cup track so your breakaway was that also part of your tactic that early on? Uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, I got a gap in the uh, from the top uh, in uh, downhill, and I have yeah, I really got a good speed, uh, and uh, I just uh, uh, went back and see that the girls had a gap, and I just ah. Uh, I do. I push a little bit more here, and then could uh, so they get a little bit tired when they should uh, come up to me again. But then I see it still was a gap after uh, one more uphill, and then I just think, uh, ah, let's try this. I go for it. And the gap pretty much remained the same. It was a between thirty and forty seconds, forty-five at the most, I think. Uh, so it was certainly a safe gap for you. So you had to keep pushing all the way through. Yeah, it was uh, really hard. Uh, I had hoped to get some more seconds, uh, maybe a minute or something. So it was uh, a very mental and tough situation for me. It was a lot of thoughts and I just uh, told me all the time uh, to push and push. And I saw uh, when I come back to the stadium and we should, that I should go out to the World Cup tracks again. I was a little bit. I was a little bit tired, and I 
yeah, I turned around and I saw the girls was coming and ah, uh, it was uh, it was hard, but I'm glad I make it. I noticed that you uh, turned around a couple of times. You were like looking back and yeah. like, just checking out the, the scene. Uh, uh, Andreas, uh, is there anything you want to ask uh, Alina right now? Yeah, first of all, congrats with a really impressive win. And uh, my question is, uh, I saw you were really offensive from the start and uh, you even won the first, uh, the first and only green sprint. Uh, ahead of Jani Larsson and uh, how early do you feel that uh, yeah this is my day I'm feeling super strong I will go for this or don't you feel it before maybe pushing really hard uh, for some time uh, I think I have a feeling strong uh, the whole week especially the, the last day so I had a really good feeling yesterday when I go to bed and I think oh, I think it's going to be a good day tomorrow maybe it was going to be a victory but yeah, I mean you never know but I feel when we come to the sprint and uh, I was first and I think it was quite easy to be first <laughs> uh, so then it was oh, okay it's a good day so let's see what happens what about the changes? I mean, the the race was uh, uh, postponed, um, moved to Sunday. The course was different. Do you think that this suited you, or did it affect you at all? Mm, I think it suits me and the whole team, but it don't it it, it doesn't affect me because I know Toblach is Toblach, and uh, it's always uh, happening things here before the competition, and so. When we got, it was so nice that we got this inform uh, inform Friday. Uh, so, uh, I I know that uh, some of the team was a little bit ah oh, oh shit how should we do this? But I just uh, sit calm in the boat and uh, this will this will be good also. And certainly been a good start for your team. Once again, you have two uh, ladies on the podium and you, your team, Team Ramudin, is number one right now. And we have the, the former number one team representative, Andreas, there uh, on the line as well. Uh, Andreas, how does it feel when uh, Team Ramudin is now, you know, Lina's team is number one? Yeah, I think <laughs> it's for sure it's a special feeling. But uh, Ramudna has shown, especially on the especially on the women's side, that uh, they are the team to beat uh, this year. And uh, with uh, all those strong girls and also the guys performing quite well, even though today the the men didn't uh, quite live up to the high expectations, they're they're still up there and still. And still fighting for some points, and uh, I think it will be a battle all the way between uh, the Swedish teams today. And I must admit that uh, I wish more that Ramudin wins than than Lager one five seven. But uh, yeah, we will see. Uh, Lena, what have you guys done that you are so dominant, particularly as Andrea said on the the, the women's side? Um, I think we have. Um... Yeah, we have worked a lot uh, on the on the soft uh, values. Uh, we have uh, a great group, and uh, it's very important that everyone is comfortable and uh, yeah, uh, they can be themselves. It's, uh, I mean, it it can uh, hear like a cliche, but I think it's uh, really important. I have been in 
in different team and uh, when we start team Ramadan I know that uh, yeah I know how uh, we will build it me and Gustav and uh, yeah we want young skiers because they have not uh, so much uh, experience uh, from before so they are easy to work with and uh, hard to say exactly what we have done but I think we have a really good atmosphere in the team and I think that's a big key part. You certainly do. And as you said, these young athletes, they come without a sort of a preordained package. They kind of fresh. Uh, although even if you team mm-hmm. pe- perform so well, Jenny Larson, that wasn't really a good day for her today. Was it somewhat expected? Did you think that she won't be able to repeat the feat from last weekend? How are you feeling about that? She was uh, uh, 11th in a race out of a uh, top 10. Yeah, she was really surprised uh, about that by her own also because she has been really, really strong this weekend. And uh, I have trained a lot of sessions with her. And uh, when we go into walls together on Wednesday, I think, oh, shit, I think uh, Jenny's going to win on Saturday also. So I don't know what's happened today. Um, her body doesn't uh, answer uh, the way she wants. Um, ah, but you mean it can be like this. Uh, after a victory or you have a little bit more pressure on yourself of course when you have the yellow bib and everything you should not uh, yeah you should remember it's uh, a lot of more pressure on yourself and uh, but I don't think it uh, will be th- this way on next uh, week I think she's back on track then and I know we're gonna see her on more podiums uh, this winter Speaking of the yellow bib, now you are the one carrying that prestigious uh, uh, bib. Do you feel the pressure? Ah, mm. uh, no, not pressure. Not not right now. And now I'm just so satisfied. Uh, I have never think about the yellow bib uh, before on the, in the season because I know it's. Uh, Yeah, you must go so good for a whole season. But now when I have it, of course, I want you to keep it. Uh, but I will um, will enjoy this week with uh, the the new that I have it. And I will have it on Marcelonga. So, yeah, I'm satisfied with that. So indeed, Marcelonga is next. And you have a week uh, in between these two races. You still stay in Italy. Uh, what are you and your team going to do uh, in between? Yeah, now we will do the the celebration uh, like we always do with prosecco and pizza, and then we will be here to Wednesday in Toblach and the train. Uh, we will do yeah, um, training, and then we go to Moena on Wednesday. And uh, yeah, I have a. I always uh, feel very happy when I come to Moena. We always live in the same apartments, and we always do the same procedure. So. I'm really looking forward it. So, Andreas, what is with the you skiers and the pizza? Oscar Kadin mentioned that uh, after the you know the TV interviews that it's a it's a great day for pizza right now. <laughs> Why pizza? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have. Uh, in, I can only speak for ourselves and uh, in our team. When uh, whenever it's a victory, uh, we celebrate with pizza because maybe especially in this time of the year. Uh, heading in Marcelonga, I think every athlete, at least in, on the men's side, are quite uh, cautious with uh, what they're putting in themselves and 
and they look uh, at the food as more the more as fuel not food and then you try to stay away from the pizza but uh, if you win which you don't do that often it's it's time to celebrate and then uh, being in the home country of the pizza it's the natural first choice but uh, yeah and yeah is that kind of the case with the, uh, your team as well lena yeah yeah it is and then uh, now we only live in apartments so yeah we do a lot of food by ourselves so i think uh, the athletes also <laughs> think it's uh, quite nice to to don't cook tonight <laughs> speaking of that it's an interesting point how taxing is that really uh because it's a very different from the from the regular year when you you know travel from one place to another and you also get to kind of enjoy the perks of a uh, of these uh, beautiful locations but now you're kind of in a confined area or you know be pretty much amongst your, yourselves it's not that easy i assume mm, it's it's like uh, we're doing uh, when we are home then you always uh, are at home and you're in your bubble and you don't want to go uh, shop food because you're afraid from uh, regular people so i think it's uh, i think me and all the t- whole the team uh, think it's Uh, it's okay and uh, yeah it's also nice to have your own kitchen it's uh, it don't feel that you are away from your home so long time you can do the regular stuff also like cleaning and and do some uh, good food and yeah uh, it's nice so before we let you go andreas uh, is there anything else you want to ask lena before we uh, let her go and uh, enjoy her pizza Uh, yeah actually i have a question uh, regarding the training because um, there is a lot of talk about uh, matthias rek being the trainer for ramadan uh, and i was wondering how much uh, of the training of the training part you do by yourself because i know for experience that i'm my own trainer even though the team like have this official trainer so is it like everybody in the team follow the same program at least on the on the training camps or are you your own trainer and get some inspiration from uh, Matthias Rack mm, uh, from uh, the spring i have Matthias Rack 400% so mm. uh, he's the one who doing my training session every day so it's quite new for me because i have, like you say Andreas i have been my own trainer with Gustav for like four or five years now so I was a little bit scary when we started this uh, cooperation but uh, I had to admit it's uh, very very nice and um, I feel early when with Matthias that I really can uh, trust him and uh, it's uh, impressive how good he can know me already uh, so it's me and the Mac and Ida who has Matthias Beck 400% and uh, Johannes Hermann and uh, Jenny has uh, he more like an inspiration and uh, yeah if they wonder something and they or they want uh, uh, tips or something they could uh, always call him also and we should also point out that Matthias Reck is a famous uh, and and well respected coach in the cycling circuit and now bringing you guys some of that philosophy uh, can you actually point out a couple of the things that uh, he has brought in into the into the game 
that you never should be <laughs> too tired. <laughs> he's uh, he's like that we have uh, a couple of rest days. Uh, and uh, yeah, also, of course, this long session, uh, I have, uh, yeah, maybe if I go, uh, I have got two intervals before, maybe I could have a session for one hour and just do the hard intervals. But uh, well, now it's always uh, three hours, <laughs> one hour first, and then intervals, and then uh, one hour more. So uh, it's, it's not so new, but for me, it's uh, like uh, this plan. It's always a plan for day by day, and I have not. Uh, I I don't need to think by myself so much. So I uh, I think uh, that uh, is the most uh, most nice thing with this. <laughs> well, indeed. Uh, final question. Uh, of course, you are now wearing, holding on to the uh, the yellow babe. Abrita Johansson Nugren was unfortunately uh, absent from today's race. Uh, your tough rival there. Uh, your chances, what do you think now, based on these two races? You're in amazing shape right now, but it's a long season. What needs to happen yeah. for you to win the much-coveted uh, champion, the yellow bib? Like you say, it's a long season, and I will take always race by race, and of course I will have the yellow bib in my head, uh, but not the, <laughs> let it take it over. And uh, yeah, it was really nice to talk to you, Andreas, and I really wish you good recovery with your fingers, and uh, Brita, of course, with her feet, and every other athlete to get some problem from that weekend, because it was it was cold, it was uh, fucking gold. <laughs> Indeed <Yeah>. it was. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Alina. Congratulations once again. Good luck uh, for the for the next weekend. Uh, longer. Uh, enjoy your pizza. Uh, travel safely and see you next weekend. Thank you, guys. So, Andreas, now to the men's race. The kind of the same procedure. Let's start from the beginning. The same uh, laps, the same course as for uh, the women. The first 9K, pretty easy. Nothing really happened until the sprint point. And at that stage, Estian Berg kind of reclaimed the, you know, the, the title. He was the fastest last year's sprint king. That category winner, the, the competition winner, followed by Emil Parson, then Anton Carlson, a former sprint winner. And then, this is something I have to ask you about, and Anders Auckland, 48-year-old yeah. <laughs> master skier, is actually leading this competition after three sprints. Was this something you guys just cooked up with, you know, or just kind of happened? <laughs> I would love to say that. Uh, we had something we were cooking on, but uh, I guess it just happened in uh, in La Diagonella. And uh, uh, Anders knew that he, if he just yeah got some points today, he would uh, still be in the green bib for Marcelonga. And we have been joking a lot with the green bib. And I know Stian Berg is quite eager of getting a hold of it, but uh, Anders wanted a good starting position in Marcelonga and. Yeah, he thought, why not? Being in the being in the green bib is uh, quite cool, and uh, yeah, for a guy soon becoming fifty years of age, I think we would never see 
uh, person on that age having the green bib again. So yeah, we just have to enjoy it. And yeah, it's really fun to watch. But for how long will that last? <laughs> that yeah. joy, enjoyment? <laughs> I think maybe already in Marcelonga, I know that uh, Anders want to try to get a big uh, result in Marcelonga. It's it's one of the three big races this season. And uh, to waste any energy on the green points, I don't think he. I think he will need them in the in the Cascata. So, I think um, maybe already next race uh, he will lose it to Stian. But uh, time will show. Stian hasn't shown that great of a shape so far. So, maybe he can uh, keep it for uh, for a while. And speaking of him, uh, Auckland and this Auckland, uh, there's a. F- master skier and he's still performing not just the sprints but he's still performing amazingly well uh 11th and 12th those are his uh places in these two races i mean it's uh, quite amazing yeah it's unbelievable and today he was uh, sprinting for the second night for the seventh place with guys like novak and carlson and tuli and lusua and uh people look at those skiers uh and think that they are really, really strong. And uh, here you have this guy, the twice as old as they are, uh, competing with them. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's an inspiration for everybody. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he's impressive in many, many ways. Uh, indeed. And let's uh, take a look at the uh, the results. Uh of that race since we kind of got there, and then we're gonna go through uh, through the race. Um, so the results of Toplak Kotina uh, on the men's side, uh, Ermil Bokuev, uh, he was the winner, followed by Oscar Kadin. We will talk to him uh, momentarily. And then Emil Parson third, Modnede Pedersen fourth. There was a really tight fight between all these uh, uh, skiers there. Stian Hölgard, uh, fifth, Peter Eliasen sixth. Uh, maybe a bit surprising. Uh, and uh, Max Novak seventh, Anton Carlson eighth, Bette Tuli ninth. Uh, Ari Lusu at 10th and Anders Auckland 11th and uh, so forth. Uh, after the, the sprint, uh, Anders, then pretty much it went according to a, to a script. Peter Eliasen attacked, as expected. <laughs> yeah, no, no surprise in that. So, yeah, Peter is uh, really offensive as always. And uh, uh, I have to admit that I was a little bit surprised that uh, the field got shattered uh, as hard as it did because even though it's a tough course, it's not that tough. But I guess the conditions with all the new snow coming down the last day made it made it even tougher. And uh, yeah, we saw that quite early on, the only yeah, 10, 11 guys were were in the in the pack and the pace were pace was really high mostly because of Petter and yes Ermil and Morten also uh, kept the pace high so yeah nice nice to watch indeed because by the time they reached the the climb point uh, at 18.1 kilometers that was the war cemetery before they turned around Ermil Vokuev was number one he took a, a home uh, the maximum points there followed by them Peter Eliasen and, and Stian Hölgard Monede Pedersen and Oscar Cardin and Emil Parson those six guys were in a breakaway uh, Ari Lusua tried to 
keep up with them, uh, but he was about 15 seconds behind at that stage. And then the actual chasing group, then 15, about 15 or 16, 17 seconds behind uh, Ari Lusua, then led by Anton Carlson. And then, of course, those guys uh, caught up with Ari pretty quickly. As you said, a bit surprising maybe because, uh, uh, as you pointed out earlier, Yedalen wasn't really there, Mr. Aviator. No, and uh, and the Mr. Toblach Cortina guy himself, I think he has uh, three or fourth uh, consecutive victories here, and uh, he showed last uh, last weekend in Switzerland that uh, that he's back on track and the shape is good. So I think today the skis could not have been as good as they need to be if you want to fight for the podiums uh, on this level, but uh, toward. If I know him, and I think I do, he will be up there again in Marcelonga if he can get the skis right. Because if you don't, you're fucked at this level. That is true. And then the the chasing group also had six skiers. Uh, pretty quickly, uh, Anton Carlson, Max Novak, Anders Auckland, and Pastien Poirier uh, and Vedletuli were able to catch Arilusu. And those skiers stayed together. And Bastien at some point... Uh, uh, had to kind of give in a bit, and uh, so it was like we have like two groups: the six guys in the lead, and then these uh, six other guys uh, following uh, a bit uh, f- uh, farther down the line. Um, anything surprising there? Anything notable for you that you kind of want to point out when you were watching the the show, no. so to speak? Yeah, uh, I. Uh... Ah, I don't know. Maybe I had uh, high hopes for Max uh, Novak today, uh, especially when we saw the Ramadan girls clearly had good skis. And uh, Max took the lead uh, in the World Cup tracks, but he just uh, didn't have it uh, today, I think. And uh, yeah, he must have gotten uh, boiled uh, himself. And this group of six is also really, really strong. And as we pointed out, it's a, it's an honest race. And uh, yeah, Bastien Poirier, I guess he he did the tourist ski for Switzerland, if I remember correctly, this year. And he's a strong skier. And for him to be up there, it's, it's nice to see. And then we had guys like, Willig uh, Shanin and uh, Marcus Johansson and Andreas Holmberg not being able to get in that group and uh, I think that's a little bit disappointing both for them and for the teams they're on. And then the second lap, the these six guys uh, in the lead, they continue they kind of a you know, the cat and mouse, you know, this really hard pace all the way through, but he keeps uh, changing a bit and then Ermil Vokweb pretty much much uh, took the reins uh, extremely strong uh, because I was thinking that he won't be able to to win the race because he did most of the work on the second lap. Yeah, man, um, I totally agree, Timo. Admiral, he he took over for Pat there, there and you saw the pace just went up and uh, people were suffering, especially Stian and, uh, and, and Eliasen. And as you pointed out, him being so much in the front uh, yeah, even down from the top, I uh, I thought that mm, this will Emil Persson will come and get him, or maybe Oscar. But Armel showed today that uh, he's here to compete and here and he's here to win. And uh, I think to beat Armel, you have to have a really really good day. 
Good day, good skis, and uh, just uh, the the great stamina. Do you think that he will continue this winning streak? I know that it is his goal. Yellow bib is his goal. Yeah, okay. Then you know more than I do. But I think it's a good thing that uh, he now focuses on the Visma Ski Classics. I think he can see that uh, the World Championships in Oberstdorf will go without him, especially with the Russian, sky, Russian guys being so strong and performing so well in, in Tordes Ski that uh, place on that team is out of the question. And uh, now I think Ermil yeah, could absolutely be one of the guys uh, winning the yellow bib. And uh, now we have done two weekends and I will be surprised if someone not being the being in the top six today will win the the yellow hertz bib in the end if one maybe Ashley Ardon, but then you need to be more consistent because if you don't get top 10 you lose a lot of points and you uh, guys like pat that he will always be up there emil shows really impressively that he will be up there and oscar will be up there and morton and all of these guys so yeah some of them will win the yellow bib in the end, I think. So if his performance, Edmund's performance was somewhat surprising, at least his ending, that he was so strong even uh, towards the end of the race. I was also a bit surprised that Peter Eliasen was able to uh, catch up with the, you know, the, the four guys in the lead on that downhill section because the gap was about 15 seconds which isn't that much, but then again, on a downhill section, even if we have pointed out that it's a tough one, uh, Stian, um, uh, Stian and, and Petr were able to to reach that gap. Yeah, actually, I, I'm not surprised at all because all the guys in the front, the four guys there, they know that now we are almost as strong as, it's, as each other and it will come down to a sprint finish and there's no, no use in killing ourselves down here we just have to wait for the last last 1k and uh, save up some energy and uh, then Petter and Stian they are all in they don't care they just want to get up in the in the leading group and use all their energy so that was not a surprise for me and Ermil Vukoya we have won a lot of classic sprint races in the East European Cup so I knew he was really fast and Today, when the pace was pushed so hard from the beginning, you can see that uh, it's not only about the speed. You have to have some gas left on the tank. And uh, Oscar Cardin once again beat Emil Persson in a sprint finish like he did in the Christmas in Ore. So, But as you say, Ermil being in front for so long, especially, yeah, I think he had the lead for the last 2K. Uh, even though only one track was good, it's really impressive to keep up and holding away everybody else. So he's he's the one to really, really look up for. And also Emil Parson. I mean, great uh, races, not just this uh, today's race, but also uh, last weekend, uh, Gustav uh, uh, pointed out on our podcast that he might have not had the best skis. I don't know for sure because I wasn't there on the field. You probably know better since you raced, uh, raced last Saturday. But Emil, definitely a contender as well and has increased uh, kind of his potential, you know, from last year. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. I must. <laughs> I'm a little bit scared over his uh, development. <laughs> he is. He will be up there now for many, many years. And today, we saw with the pace being so strong, and he's the only guy from the team keeping up and keeping up with such a strong field. And when I can't, I cannot remember the last time Petr Eliasson was dropped like that. He has been dropped when he has been sick and so forth and so things. But I think the last time he was dropped like this must have been when Martin Sundby beat him in Birkebeinadana. So for Emil, keeping up with those guys just shows how incredibly strong he has become. And uh, yeah, he will be up there all the way. And once again, for Martin Pedersen, it was a tough day. I mean, right up there. Uh, he's a strong uh, climber and he showed that again. But out of the podium, it's not the first time that has happened to him. <laughs> no, you're uh, you're one hundred percent right. Morton misses the edge in a sprint finish, and uh, that's a shame. But I I still believe he could be quite satisfied with the race because he's up there with the strongest guys, and he would took some initiative there under the under the race and for him being up there he know that yes next weekend in Marcelonga with that long cascata in the end in, even though it's a little bit shortened uh, he will be up there and he bounced back today and showed that he's he's here as always so just looking at the race or the judging based on the pace and all that do you think that you could have had a chance to stay with those four guys? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Uh, I guess we will never find out. But, but we uh, can speculate. Uh, if you look at my record uh, the last two or three years, I think it's safe to say that uh, if I had not been up there, I would have been uh, quite disappointed. So, uh, yeah. We will see. It would have it would have been great fun to been up there, but uh, those guys are really strong. And yeah, Petter getting dropped it's it's not something you uh, you see every day. So I don't know, but uh, it doesn't matter, I guess. Anyways, but uh, hopefully I would have been up there. Let's see if that happens. Then once we get to Vasalopet, but let's call your teammate uh, Oscar Cardin who was the winner last week and uh, now second and he is the current yellow bib uh, holder current uh, champion competition leader so Oscar Cardin on the line If you have any feedback, questions, requests and ideas please contact us at podcast at skiclassics.com Enjoy our Living You to Live You podcast and join the fun. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Congrats once again. You didn't win, but hey, second place. You got to be happy. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm satisfied with the second place because... Uh, it was a hard finish, and uh, Ermil was really strong. So, yeah, I was totally on the limit on the way up, and uh, then it's uh, a little bit tricky. Lost uh, 500 meters, so yeah, I'm satisfied. 
with a second place. Uh, tricky in what terms? It was like uh, only one uh, track that was uh, good to glide because uh, the snowmobile was in the other one. So uh, it was hard to pass someone. And then um, in the last, uh, yeah, that was when it was 1K to go. And then uh, in the last 500 meters, it was two tracks. And uh, yeah, it's a downhill and you get slipstream and then... Uh, uh, it was a really sharp uh, bend before the uh, the last hundred meters, so I was a little bit surprised and didn't have the best, uh, yeah, the best way into the to the finish line. So, yeah, it was a little bit tricky. Were you any ways surprised by Ermil's strong performance because he did most of the work and led the way, and then he was still that strong at the end? Yeah, both he and uh, Petter, my teammate Eliasson, did a really, really strong work, and uh, yeah, did a hard, hard work on the World Cup tracks, and then um, up to the climbing point. So, <clears throat> but um, I've seen. Uh, Ermel is uh, going really good also in World Cup in traditional skiing. So I know he's a, he's a strong skier. And uh, we saw last week that um, he, he was also good. So, yeah, it was no surprise. And uh, last year he won Lavanosta. So, yeah, he's, he's strong. And that's no surprise for me. So, uh, Anders, now you can ask your teammates, uh, since you're back home and your teammates out there, uh, racing has got to be something you really want to ask him at this stage. Yeah, man. First of all, congrats with a uh, fantastic results. I must say, Admir was just uh, just really Russian today and was super, super strong. And uh, for you to just proving yourself as strong as you are and the favorite for the yellow bib in the future is, is amazing to see. And I want to ask you... Uh, or did you did it come as a surprise that so early on the pace was so high that you were quite early on only six gears left in the pack or was it like expected because if you look at the profile it's hard but maybe not that hard and guys like Anton Carlson and Novak and Thiele these guys were just they were just destroyed in the in the uphill uh, yeah, I don't think it was a surprise. We saw we saw a little bit from television on the women's side, and uh, we saw that it's uh, already in the beginning of the World Cup tracks. It um, yeah, Lena went away from the others, and uh, the field exploded. So yeah, we expected uh, it uh, that it would be would be hard, and um, it's a little bit uh, tougher hill in the World Cup tracks than we're usually going. So, yeah, but, uh, yeah, the pace was really high. So uh, I think uh, it was no surprise that people was getting dropped. And then when uh, Peter attacked, of course, that wasn't a surprise. You uh, you, you were all pretty much prepared for that. That's his uh, tactics, that's his uh, strategy. Uh, at that point, on the, on the first lap, what went through your mind? Uh, was this this kind of a scenario that, of course, you played out beforehand? <clears throat> yeah, um, Petr is strong, and that's uh, his way to ski, and that's his strong side to go uh, to go hard in um, 
in a long uh, uphill. So um, yeah, that was um, no surprise either. And I just uh, I thought the pace was so high, so I wasn't able to to help him keep a high pace because I was tired and I was on the limit. So yeah. But then on the second lap, uh, when uh, Vokov Ermil uh, sped up a bit, then Peter was actually uh, in trouble. He was struggling. Uh, and uh, Andres yeah. has pointed out that that was, that was a bit surprising. Uh, that's probably the first time we've seen that happening, if you don't count the uh, La Diagonela last year when he was sick. That he, he is in trouble. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised, but Ermil uh, did... Uh... He almost did some intervals in the uphill there. It was like uh, 30 seconds, really, really hard sprint. And then 30 seconds, a little bit, uh, yeah, it was hard, but not so hard. And then uh, 30 seconds sprint again. And then, uh, yeah, he continued with that, uh, yeah, maybe six or seven times. And uh, <clears throat> that's uh, maybe not uh, the strongest side for Petter. So... Yeah, but he made it up again to the group after a while because he's really good to keep a, a high pace. So That's interesting that you pointed out. And, and I, I could detect that on the screen that he actually did those sprints, which is probably quite an unusual way of doing a breakaway, do an actual 30-second sprints, and then uh, it's more of like an interval training. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> but it's, uh, it's hard to gap someone. So... Uh, if you want to gap the others, it's uh, good to to go really hard, and it's hard to gap someone when uh, you keep the same pace and same speed uh, in the all uphill. So it's easier to gap someone when you go um, sprinting, and then yeah. So yeah, it was it was really hard, and Ermil was super strong today. So it's uh, yeah, he will be strong in Barcelona also. Do you think that he is your toughest opponent next weekend? Uh, yeah, it's one of them for sure. And uh, I also think uh, Emil Persson and Mortnade uh, Pedersen and Tordas Lierdalen, Petr Liesen and all the yeah the usual ones will be really strong at Katskapen. And now your teammate, uh, Andres Nigor, is here, you know, uh, with us <laughs> talking to you. Unfortunately, not able to race uh, next uh, uh, Sunday. But uh, Andres, is there any tips that you can get, uh, give to Oscar? Because he's now wearing the, the yellow bib, the one that you really wanted to, to carry. But unfortunately, mm. situation is yeah. what it is. Yeah, uh, Oscar is a smart skier and... Uh... He has Anders on the team and he has Petter on the team, uh, two guys who has won it before, uh, even though they are maybe a little bit different than I am as a skier. They have won just because they are so much so much stronger than everybody else. And as Oscar pointed out, uh, there will be a lot of guys fighting for the win. But today, you, the six of you, I think you were almost three minutes ahead of number seven and Max Novak so it just see shows how how really really hard the pace must have been all the way so my question is now how how do you compare your 
achievement today compared to last weekend? And how will you recover from this tough, tough race to be able to perform as best as you can the next weekend? Uh, yeah, uh, last weekend was a win, so that's for sure uh, like bigger. But I think uh, this effort was... Uh, um it was almost uh, as strong as last week because last week i was uh, going in our breakaway and um, in the beginning no one was yeah, like even chasing so i got a little bit of free time there uh, this race was uh, much harder and if i look at my heart rate i had uh, a higher average this time and also higher uh, peak heart rate so it was a really tough race, and uh, yeah, I think you know uh, we're going to say to Alm tomorrow, or, or yeah, to, uh, tonight today. So um, we just uh, need to recover a little bit and take it easy. And um, no, intervals. no intervals, <laughs> no intervals, <laughs> no intervals. <laughs> Are you going? Um, I missed my room and my uh, guide on the live. <laughs> Are you guys going to stay in Sazeralm? Yeah, we're going to stay there. And do a little bit of a high-altitude training up there? Yeah, we've been in high-altitude for three weeks and uh, go down now to Torblach for two two days. So we go up again on, on the altitude and uh, then go down and race Marcelona. And now you uh, have time to enjoy your uh, pizza. You mentioned that on, on a TV interviews, and we talked to Lee now about it as well. Uh, then, and Andres told, told us that uh, you guys have a kind of a, this habit or uh, that whenever someone wins or does really well, uh, uh, you get to eat pizza. What kind of pizza will it be this time around? Because this is probably the second time you had pizza last week. And what are you going to eat now? What do you have? What are the toppings? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm all like a guy who like uh, Tirolese or Diavola. That's my favorite uh, kind of pizza here in Italy. Uh, can you elaborate on those? I mean, nice names, but what kind of toppings? I I just go to the pizzeria and say same as last time, and uh, yeah, it's speck and salami and uh, cheese. Lots of fat there. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Good. Uh, Andres, anything else you want to ask your teammate before we let him go and enjoy uh, uh, the, the great pizza of his? No, uh, just uh, enjoy the moment of being the number one. And uh, I don't know if you know if pizza is okay today, not getting a win and uh, Marcelonga finishing <laughs> with a tough, tough cascata in the end. So I think you have maybe to reconsider that, but just say hi to the boys and keep on doing what you're doing. You are, you are up there now every race and you will be up there next week and also. So really impressed. Maybe it has pasta for you yeah, then. For sure. I, need to, uh, I need to think about the pizza. Maybe not tonight. Yeah, maybe it has pasta. <laughs> Pasta, yes, I eat pasta for lunch. So I guess it will be maybe pasta fest tonight. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Oscar uh, Cardin. Uh, once again, congratulations and good luck. Uh, you will need it. It will be another tough race uh, this coming Sunday. Much longer 70K race. Take care. Yeah, thanks. Take care.
So before we wrap up, uh, let's take a look at the standings at this stage. And then, Andres, we'll, we'll talk about Machalonga a little bit. That's the next race. But uh, right now, the champion men, I'm only going to go through the maybe the three best in each category. So after two races, Oscar Kardin is now leading your teammate, followed by Ermil Vokweb. He's second from Russian winter team. Then Emil Parson. We talked about these two skiers, actually all of these skiers. Uh, Lager 157 ski team. And there's a tight fight. There's 100 points between Oscar Kardin and Emil Parson. And then followed by Petrelia Sen and so forth. Uh, on the women's side of things will have Lina Koskren wearing the yellow bib uh, followed by her teammate Ida Dahl and then Emilia Fleten from Team Kuteng. They actually tied Ida and Emilia. They both have 300 points and they are 70 points behind Lina Koskren and then comes Jenny Larson and so forth. The other other categories uh, then we also have the Visma Alp Trophy. Uh, Oscar Kadin is leading there as well. Emil Vokuev, Emil Parson. Of course, the same guys as in the uh, uh, the champion. Champion uh, Bip. Same with the women. Lina, Ida, Dahl and Emilia Flett. And there, the Visma Alp Trophy competition, which will continue next weekend. Uh, but then the youth men, Emil Parson, is in the lead, followed by Max Novak from Team Ramudden and Johannes Eklöf, also from Team Ramudden. He is third. And in the women's competition, the youth category, Ida Dahl, is number one, followed by her teammate, Jenny Larsson. Team Ramudden is definitely the number one team at this stage. Uh, Anastasia Rugalina, third from Russian winter team. Then we move on to the sprint competition. Anders Auckland, Team Ragdayendom, the eternal junior, uh, number one. Then Emil Parson, number two. And Stian Berg, uh, the category winner from last year, is uh, number three. And Stian is, of course, from Team Gaffe Brukeriet with the Tulis gang. And then uh, on the women's side of things, the sprint competition is led by Jenny Larson, then followed by Lina Koskren and Ida Dahl. The tom- complete Team Ramudden's dominance there. And the sprint competition uh, climb. Men, Ermil Vokuev, number one. We had the first uh, climate point, a uh, competition point today. Petr Elias in second, Stian Hölgard third. Mordnede Pedersen is fourth, uh, right behind these guys. And he is the, uh, you know, the category winner from last year. And the climb women, Lina Koskren, number one. Emilia Fleten, number two. And Ida Dahl, number three. And then the pro teams. Team Ramudden, number one, 400 points. 60 points behind is Lager 157 ski team. Then Russian Winter team, 300 points. And there's a tie with your team, Team Ragde Ayendom, uh, Andreas. Uh, we talked about this a little bit, but it's a bit surprising, isn't it, that you guys are are not leading the game? <laughs> yeah, but I guess it's not surprising considering that we had no girls on the starting line in La Dirnella and only won this, this race. So it's unfortunately we will not be able to defend the... Uh, the title and we're not yeah we're not trying either then we would have had more girls on the team so or at least on the starting line so we are not focusing on the team competition this year which is i think 
a little bit sad and uh, yeah hopefully we will bounce back next year and this year it will be for sure a fight between those three other teams i think uh, kuteng has shown some vulnerability this first races and yeah even though Chris Jespersen maybe will come back and Austria will get in shape, they are losing a lot of points. They're bleeding right now. So I think it will be a fight between Ramudin and Lager 157. But you have the comeback uh, queen in your team, Marit Björgen. Uh, anything you want to say about her and her shape? She will be uh, racing at Vassalopet, correct? Yeah, uh, Marit will be doing the Vassalopet. I think she had some hope. Uh, actually doing Marcelonga also but there was some was some trouble with the Adam system and for her being out and then coming back but uh, Marit is uh, is looking strong and she's training good so I think when she's on the starting line in Berga B everybody should uh, be a little bit more worried even the even the Ramudni girls <laughs> Realistically speaking, do you think that she has a chance in a race like that? Because it's very different. It's an IDK. We all know the course. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think she will win the race if she has a normal day and normal skis, considering what she have done in training and be what she have done on our training camps. Okay, well. That's 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 good. To, that's that remains to be seen. But I'm happy to hear that. You know, that's um, we're all excited to see her come back. But now, Macha Longa, that's the next race. Uh, you won't be able to race there. Uh, but anything you want to say about this race, besides, of course, that it's one of the uh, legendary races. Is it's the first uh, Visma Ski Classics uh, 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 Grand Classics events. Uh, anything else? Yeah, I think it will be an amazing race. Uh, I can tell already that I think the weather will be a little bit challenging looking at the weather forecast. And this year, I think the last Cascata climb is a little bit different, not being able to finish in the up in Cavalese, but it doesn't change uh, much because you do most of the climbing even though before you take left there. So... The, in Marcelonga, usually the strongest guys and the strongest women will win the race. And I think that will be the case this time around also. And uh, as we saw today, there's a lot of guys and maybe not so many girls uh, that could possibly win or podium there. And the word about the course, um, it's a very interesting one, as is that I have to kind of say it's a kind of a gradual downhill all the way to... Uh, to the you know the turning point and then the final final climb the first 17k or the first 10k at least uh, not that easy though no for sure up to kind of say it's it's really tough and some years people have got dropped uh, quite bad up there so you have to be on your best from the gun and uh, especially if the conditions allows it i think we will see a hard race from the gecko and uh, a lot of the guys who are the favorites i think they would like the pace to be high maybe except from emil Persson, who i am really eager to see what what he can do in the last uphill there uh, it seems like he has taken once again a huge step in the right direction. And even though Lager 157 consider maybe Andreas Holmberg or Marcus Johansson their strongest cards in Marcelonga, I think 
uh, Emil showed today that uh, he's a little bit stronger than the rest of the guys. So it will be fun to watch him against all the other favorites. And then what about the atmosphere? Of course, Machalonga is known for this kind of a unique, magical atmosphere. Uh, but from your perspective, you've done the race uh, yourself so many times. What is it about Machalonga that particularly you, your, your countrymen love so much, you know, it's like 2,000 Norwegians <laughs> racing every yeah. year? Yeah, first of all, Valdifiem and Valdifassa is two beautiful valleys. And Machalonga got it all. You have the part up to Kanasei with the mountains and the scenery and then you go down through all these small villages and different terrain and yeah just being down there at that time of the year is is an experience itself uh, unfortunately i think the corona situation makes it more work than pleasure this year so even though the crowd uh, will not be able to be there as as usually everybody wants to win this race and uh, if you do your career is is one to remember Indeed, uh, the Machalonga is one of the greatest long-distance ski races in the world. And hopefully next year we'll kind of resume and go back to the, the normal normal situation. Also, a lot of the, uh, the international skiers will uh, have a chance to go there and race that uh, beautiful race. But uh, thank you very much, Andres, to be, uh, being part of this. And uh, it's always nice talking to you and getting all your valuable uh, insight and information and of course i wish you all the all the best and all the luck i mean in your recovery we really want to see you back very soon yeah thanks timo it's uh thanks for having me on the show it was i love the sport and i love to watch the races even though i cannot compete myself and yeah hopefully i will be back as soon as i can but even though Ski classics is Maybe the most important thing in my life, I still want to be able to use my hands uh, when I one day retired. So yeah, hopefully I will be bouncing back uh, in Vaseloppe, but we just have to wait and see. I think you will. Thank you once again. And thank you folks out there uh, for joining us. Stay tuned for more to come. Next Sunday is Machelonga 70k race. Amazing one as always. Stick around, stay healthy, and let's rock and roll once again. Come next Sunday. Bye-bye. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.